when I started making money, I go, oh, I feel weird accepting this kind of money. And now I'm realizing that everybody's making money. The plumber's making money. The electrician's making money. You know, like I shouldn't feel bad. I have so much overhead that I should just accept it. And I, I became better at that. But I think, um, you know, I'm still a novice in, in the business world game, but I, it's been, uh, it's been cool. It's, I'm, I'm learning about it. And I think, um, yeah, it's just a kind of a learning experience and, and you're just getting comfortable with the whole business realm of it all. Welcome to the Lion's Den, hosted by Lance Bachman. Everybody, welcome to this edition of The Den. I got Peter Andrade. He's changing people's lives around the world with plastic surgery, helping them out. He's on a mission instead of chasing the grind here every day. Dr. Peter, how you doing? Thank you for being on The Den, my friend. I'm good. Thank you for having me, my man. It's been, it's been fun getting down here, and it's a cool studio. I've never really immersed myself in something like this, so it's cool. Well, tell, tell the viewers who you are, doctor. Yeah, so I'm a, you know, I'm a simple man. I, I'm from, my parents are from Ecuador. I grew up in South Florida. Uh, I went to medical school down there, and I came up to New York City, fell in love with it for training, and now I'm a plastic and reconstructive surgeon in New York City and Jersey City area. So you've grown from, we're going to talk about how you've grown from one to three locations, which yeah. is impressive. Yeah, yeah. You've got a new product coming out, yeah. which is the Uber, the Lyft, the Grubhub of Botox and injections yeah. and fillers, as you call them, in Manhattan. Yeah, yeah. Which yeah. is pretty cool. It's called Butex or Butik. Uh, Butik, yeah. Butik. I got, I, got, I got the worst Northeast Philly slow you could have, right? <laughs> and we're going to talk about how you've grown to all this and really your yeah. biggest thing is your mission going around for 13 years now yeah. on different trips and giving free plastic surgery out to cancer patients and yeah. hurt kids and so we'll talk about that um so first of all let's jump right into it you have three locations you opened up your first location one first location i opened up uh well i started i joined a practice about three years ago so yeah. i've been out of the game of plastic surgery training for about three years so it takes forever. I'm 40 years old now. I, I, imagine starting your career at 37 years old, you know? Half my friends went into Wall Street at 21. <laughs> uh, so I'm kind of late to the game, but I, I joined a practice in, uh, I guess it was 2018, and had a year of practice as an associate with, this, with my mentor, uh, who's a beautiful human being, and he, and he showed me a lot of things. And then boom, the, uh, you know, the, the, the pandemic just shortly thereafter. So it's been, it's been a whirlwind and kind of trial by fire, like we discussed before, but it's been fun. So you're a doctor by trade, not a businessman. I tell people mm -hmm. there's a big difference uh -huh. between being a doctor, uh -huh. showing up and slowly learning it, meeting patients. Absolutely. To, oh, I got to deal with a P&L, marketing, yes. rent. I got to deal with yeah. contractors. I got to deal with yeah. payroll, HR. Yeah. Can you talk to us about navigating that so yeah. quickly? Yeah, yeah. I was, I was again, I was pretty foreign to all that stuff. I was a, I was a product of my, my old man was a physician and he had his own private practice, but it was cash pay, so... It wasn't, he didn't deal with insurance companies, reimbursements. He had a very low overhead. It was a very rudimentary practice. And to me, jumping in and signing contracts and, and, and having a practice that we, we have a ton of overhead, you know, um, I was, you know, I spoke to friends about like, when I started making money, I go, oh, I feel weird accepting this kind of money. And now I'm realizing that everybody's making money. The plumber's making money. The electrician's making money. You know, like I shouldn't feel bad. I have so much overhead that I should just accept it. And I, I became better at that. But I think, um, you know, I'm still a novice in, in the business world game, but I, it's been, uh, it's been cool. It's, I'm, I'm learning about it. And I think, um, yeah, it's just a kind of a learning experience and, and you're just getting comfortable with the whole business realm of it all. 
besides making money, which thank God you are, because you <laughs> should be making money, right? What has been like one of the biggest challenges since you've been out on your own? Like, especially during a pandemic in New York. I mean, let's be realistic here. Yeah. New York yeah. has been, oh, I mean, people have been flying out Brutal. of New York just running from the city Brutal. for a lot of Brutal. different reasons. I'm not here to talk politics. But, right, right. You know, what's some of the biggest challenges you've seen? Well, I mean, first and foremost, I think you said it, you know, the pandemic, the, when it hit in, you know, March, uh, two years ago, it was, it was brutal. And, you know, my, my practice came down to nothing. You know, they, we couldn't operate unless it was emergencies. So there was some, you know, oral maxillofacial traumas that came in that I have to go. So I do it, but certainly not any cosmetic stuff. Uh, so that all came to a screeching halt. And then, um, you know, through my nonprofit organization, we, we, we had this idea to, you know, raise money for families of victims, you know, that they couldn't afford, you know, funeral services. And I don't know if you remember back uh, at the beginning or the height of the pandemic in New York City, they were burying people in mass burials because there wasn't enough room in, you know, to, to put these fam- to put the patients, you know, anywhere else. And the families couldn't afford to have them a proper funeral. So imagine being at a mass graveyard, you know, graveyard site with, you know, a hundred other people that just couldn't afford it. So we, we started this campaign. I think we called it, uh, something sexy, probably like re NYC or something, but we raised a lot of money for it. And we gave a lot of people a lot of good, you know, proper funerals for their, for the, for their loved ones that they couldn't afford. And that was, um, that was a product of, uh, myself and my girlfriend. She had a, I think she was, uh, uh, she had the good idea. She always has the good ideas of everything. So. Of course, of course yeah. she does. <laughs> so if you like this content and you're trying to grow your business, Follow me at Lance Bachman and Lance Bachman Digital on Facebook. LFG, time to grow. You know, here's a question for you. You said something to, as you got to know, you said your mission is to change lives around the world. Yeah. Right? Instead of the rat race and the grind. That yeah. We, yeah. We do here every day, right? It's just, yeah, yeah. It is a rat race to grind. Yeah. It's- Can you talk to why that mission is so important to you? Why you want to change? Is it the way you grew up? Has someone taught you to give back? Yeah, you know, I, I'm not sure. It's probably... I've. Uh, Likely in my formative years, you probably hit on something there. You know, I'm, I'm Ecuadorian. It's kind of, um, you know, let's, let's not hide it. It's a socialist country. And I think, uh, you know, in, in socialism, everyone belongs to this one communal thing. I'm not, again, I, we're not here to talk politics. I'm not going to say, well, capitalism, socialism. But, you know, it was that it's a communal feel with like, you know, um, health care is provided for everyone. Um, here in this country, we're, we're blessed to, you know, have jobs and make money and, and get the best kind of health care we can if we chose to do, if we choose to do that. But in some impoverished areas in third world countries, they don't have that option or they get the, you know, the, the, the government provided physician who's wildly, you know, wildly under qualified to do a surgery to do it for that person. So we go out to, you know, very impoverished towns in Belize, Ecuador, Guatemala, uh, twice a year and, 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 and do kind of these surgeries. Um, you know, I'm a plastic surgeon. We bring on general surgeons to do, you know, appendix, gallbladder. We bring on, you know, we've brought on, uh, our own anesthesiologist and pain management patients for, you know, for pain management doctors for knees and stuff like that. So it, it's good. And like I told you before, it's a way to ground yourself, get out of the rat race, unplug and change someone's life. It, it, you know, whether you are doing the marketing for it or whether you're actually there doing the, your craft, I mean, it's, it, it's unbelievable the, the amount of, um, you know, what you feel, what you gain from that, it'll change you. Certainly give you perspective at the very least. You know, and, and yeah. we need more doctors like you going out and doing things like this and just people in general. I mean, yeah. you know, you said something about it being a rat race and just a grind. Um, I think it's interesting you said you felt bad about making money. Yeah, where weird, right? You shouldn't, though, you know? <laughs> and I hope you make a lot more of it because you should make money, right? You work hard, you should make money. Yeah, yeah, I'm slowly learning that. 
you you opened up three locations. What yeah. separates you? Because you know, what separates you from your competition? Do you think you know? Because they grow in a pandemic in New York where things are closing down, especially in your space. Yeah. Now you're. Yeah. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, it's as simple as something as just being authentic and passionate about what you love to do. Having, you know, empathy with your patients, if you can do empathy or sympathize with your patients. Um, you know, that goes a long, long way. I think when patients hear that, oh, this doctor, he's a younger guy. He cares. He puts his hand on my, on my hand when he tells, you know, discusses certain plans. Um, you know, I think that kind of, personal touches, it goes a long, long way. And that reverberates in the community and they start talking about your name and kind of word of mouth, you know, spreads pretty quickly if, if, if you really come off as authentic and passionate. You know, you do a lot of breast augmentations. That's mm-hmm. probably number one. Yeah, I would say more than the cosmetic, I do like a breast reconstruction. So for cancer patients that have breast cancer, uh, they would come to me after they speak to their mastectomy surgeon and I would talk to them about rebuilding their breasts, you know, after life after cancer, essentially. And then so I do a what, lot of that. Yeah. What's second and third on your list? I would say I do a lot of um, second, probably hand surgery. We do a lot of that. Some, you know, oral maxillofacial surgery. Um, and then cosmetic, you know, I, I have the reconstructive realm of what I do and then I have the cosmetic realm of what I do. And so. the cosmetic realm, let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, boutique, boutique, yeah. right? Boutique, baby. Boutique, boutique coming boutique. to you. Coming to you. <laughs> you know, where'd you come with the ideal? It's incredible. I mean, yeah. it, it blows my mind. I, I've had the IV treatments in my home, right? Yeah, like, yeah. So it's yeah. just going on it, steroids. It, it started with that. Um, me and my friend, uh, my Guatemalan brother, uh, <laughs> shout out Dr. Fidel Garcia. He um, he came to me with an idea over a couple of cocktails when most go- good ideas come to me when they're not from my girlfriend. And uh, <laughs> he said, he started this, he, he kind of flirted around with the, the concierge space and the, the hospitality stuff and the IV business. And he wanted mm. to make his niche as like this IV doctor, but for kids, because he's pediatric background trained. He's ER okay. doctor, but pediatric. Doctor. And he said, Hey, man, why don't we do this for like, can you do Botox and fillers in someone's home? I'm like, I can do it in a parking lot. It doesn't change anything. It can be in my office. It's, yeah. you know, whatever. It can be in a parking lot. It doesn't matter. We're, you know, we're kind of just a light bulb went off and said, does anybody do this in my dad? And we never heard of this. Like, I should hear about this. And, you know, people, you know, from who I tell and we've been, you know, talking to friends and everyone says it's a, it's a great idea. I think, uh, we just have to execute it well and, um, you know, do the digital marketing as, yeah, yeah. as best as we can. Now that I'm understanding the utility of all that stuff. We'll, we'll jump in that. And what people don't realize this is people now will pay yeah. for yes. just not to go out of their house. I mean, like yeah. we were talking about Grubhub, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, Convenience, man. It, 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 Uber Eats, like oh my god, you know Top the, I, the yeah. IV treatment, right? Yeah, like, yeah. And people will say, "You know what? You, yeah, I'll pay because I don't want to sit forty-five minutes to an hour in a waiting room. Yeah, and plus try forty-five yeah, minutes. Go to the ER and sit next to the drunk asshole for eight hours until the doctor puts an IV in, you know, or the nurse, I guess, in that instance. But you know, you can get it in charge of your healthcare for free or whatever your copay for the ER is. Versus, you know, you, you pay a convenience fee, you lay in bed, you stay, you're watching your movie, whatever you like, Inception, or How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, or whatever it is, right? <laughs> and, and you get your IV treatment at home. It's, it's a beautiful thing. Like, we're, we're moving towards that. You well, know? I think we're moving a lot more towards it than people think at a lot faster rate. Yeah, I, I mean, agree. it's just, and I, I think doctors never thought they were going to have to adapt to that. Mm-hmm. And I think people like you that are young still, mm-hmm. relatively for being a doctor. Relatively, yeah. yeah. For a doctor, you're saying, okay, 
there's a market out there that would easily pay for me to come in Manhattan Absolutely. to their apartment. Absolutely. Go to them and get yeah. Botox, get a filler. Yeah. I'm taking out the whole buttache of yeah. having to drive to you, yeah. having to wait in your room. I, I, I so think, many factors. Yeah, absolutely. I think if it's done by, you know, uh, you know, you have to keep it by credential people, providers, doctors, nurses, practice, whatever. They have to do it well. Um, you know, the, the service and the product has to be, you know, paramount. But other than that, people don't want to get out of the house and wait in an office, man. Not no more. That's the worst part about getting going to the doctor's office is going to the doctor's office, right? Now, so we can do it at home. So let's talk about this. You, you brought up a good point. Now, when we were talking, you said digital marketing plays a big role in your business, right? Mm -hmm. You know, as it grows. Why are reviews so important, doctor? Like, and you, and you talked about it. You didn't think they were. Yeah, right? no, I, I we, we had a conversation about this. How I, I, Again, I came in as a simple man, novice to the world. I thought I was an open-up shop, Dr. Peter Andrade, and everyone's going to come flooding into it. It doesn't work that way. <laughs> And uh, I didn't even know. I, I told you about the review experience with me. I had a patient said, "Hey, we found you on uh, Google reviews." And I go, "What's that?" I'm like, "What are you talking about Google reviews?" And I'm like, "No, you see, we have like great reviews, and everyone loves you." And I go, "Oh, wow! I had no idea." So I checked it out, and sure enough, I got I think four out of four stars, five out of five, whatever it is, the most A plus, you know, gold stars. And uh, and after that, I, I you know I just brainstorming with you, I should just put a systems in place where people just review me as they leave because people want to see that. And it's no different. I don't know why I didn't think about this before. When I go on, you know, Etsy or Wayfair, or whatever, Home Depot, and you're looking at a product, of course, you want to see what everyone else says because the the people can put all the glitz and glam on that product and make it seem like it's the best thing that you need. But you trust somebody else that says, hey, yeah, I liked it, but, you know, it's got a bad stench or it's not tall enough or whatever. Your reviews, I tell people this all the time, is your best sales tool. Yeah, I think so. Because it's just no so. one else except for your customers yeah. talking about you. Mm -hmm. It's so... Why would your experience be any different yeah. than all these other people that had experiences with me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right about that. I yeah. mean, so I mean, so let's talk about that. How social media? I mean, mm -hmm. changed your business? Has social media become a big piece of it? Has it, it is it storytelling? Or are you still? It's it's it. You know, I kind of there was trouble for me navigating through these waters, being a plastic surgeon in, in social media, right? I never had social media. I never had, uh, you know, Instagram until I started my practice and everyone's like, what are you doing? You have to have a mission. So I started an Instagram account thinking it's okay. It's going to be my personal life and some plastic surgery, but I don't want to be that inauthentic, tacky guy putting boobs on a screen before and after and come to me for Botox Fridays, you know, half off for Valentine's special. I just didn't want that. It just comes off again, like just tacky and, and just not right. I don't know. It just didn't sit with me well. So I, I do have an account. I fear that it's probably more personal than it is professional, but I think you could see a marriage of the two. Uh, but certainly now with the, with Boutique, we're going to be launching, you know, in a week. That's we have a handle already, uh, ready to fire up, and 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 we have to take advantage of that. And you have that to push that. Oh yeah, that, that's, yeah, yeah. You know, that can't yeah. even be a question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah at that point, yeah, or, that, yeah. or that's never going to get off the ground. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, what are your goals headed into next year? You know, for a business goal, you opened up three businesses. Mm -hmm. um, I'm assuming they're all profitable by now at this yeah. point. Yeah. So, yeah. what's your goals for 2022? I think grow. I think it's easy to you know to stay viable. That's a feat in of itself as a business, as a, as an entity. But I, I think growing even more so is is probably a bigger challenge. And how do you you know scale that growth and and, and get the proper people underneath you, all the ancillary staff and and, and, and get, you know, your, your business growing to whatever, I mean, whatever you want it to be. I think in the boutique space, we're going to be launching and that's going to, you know, we want to grow that and we want that to be big. So hopefully. Um, What's the biggest challenge you see in that space to grow? 
I think executing it from the get-go, you know, you can either come out the gates running or you can be just dead in the water, right, from the gate. I, that's my impression. I, I, I'm not, certainly I'm not an economist, you know, I make no contributions to the economist. I don't, I'm, uh, all that stuff is pretty foreign to me, but I think, you know, in my very minimal business experience, I think, you know, coming out the gates and executing it right, um, you know, in a, in a new business venture, that's, that's got to be paramount. And you're going into Manhattan, right? You're going to start yeah. there. Yeah. What's the feel in Manhattan since COVID? Yeah. You know, I know you just, congratulations on your condo you just bought. Yeah, thank you. Know, you. Congratulations. <laughs> thank you. You're going to um, come by for the housewarming? Absolutely. You know? <laughs> so, you know, my wife loves it. We stayed at that Dreams Hotel not too far from yeah, all yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We love it up there. Yeah. You know, question for you, though. What's the feel up there? Like, do you think they're ready for this? Is, is New York yeah. coming back to yeah, life? Yeah, absolutely. Or do you feel like... Because people were running. Oh, yeah. They're leaving Manhattan and, or New York City area and going to my hometown, South Florida, you know. Um, no, I, New York's back, baby. It's got a pulse, you know. There's a couple memes that are pretty funny that I've seen that says uh, uh, somebody posted, like, New York City's dead, don't come back, telling everybody who left, like, don't, we don't need you, get out of here. It was just, it's it's funny, but, um, but yeah, it's certainly back. I mean, you walk the streets, there's people everywhere. The kids are doing their thing. The bars are packed to max capacity. The restaurants are open. You know, everyone's inside. It's it's a beautiful thing, man. So COVID's kind of left the city at this point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Relatively yeah, yeah. I, I think I think New York City did pretty. You know, after I mean, you know, when it first came, it was harrowing and, and probably the heaviest experience of my life walking through those hospitals during that time. But since then, we recovered pretty well. There was another slight wave, and and right now, I think we've been pretty good. Um, you know, our numbers are really down. People are compliant with, you know, vaccinations, you know, whatever you believe in that. But, um, you know, I'm an advocate for that. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's back, man. You know, there's a roar. There's a lion's roar. I like that. I like that. You know, what advice would you give to anyone that wants to be a surgeon right now? Young people. Yeah. You know, what advice would you send a final word to them? Hey, I'm in school. I want to be a plastic surgeon. Yeah. Yeah. Because, Let's be honest, there's a lot of plastic surgeons, a lot of Botox places opening up, a lot of, a lot, a lot throughout the country. People are taking care of their bodies more, trying to look better more, trying not to age as fast. Do you think the market's coming oversaturated or do you think it's just beginning? No, I don't think so. I think people, you know, uh, try to squelch my dreams of coming to New York City versus going to like Miami or LA because those are the most saturated plastic surgeons. Go out there, you know, be yourself, be passionate about yourself. People respond to that. That resonates in people. You know, they, they hear that. There is big name doctors everywhere in New York City, but when you walk into their office, they're, they're a dinosaur. They have no personality. And are they going to really kind of be around if, if, if things go awry? Um, maybe, I don't know, but it's that rapport that you build with the patient. That's, 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 that's utmost importance. You know, I think people res- really respond to that as far as be setting yourself apart. You know, if you can do anything, any subspecialty of plastic surgery, which I did, uh, to set yourself apart, for sure, that's marketable, right? I mean, you, you have a set of skills that no one else does or that just few people in the world have, for sure, that sets you apart. But, um, but, but certainly be likable, be affable, be available for when, when people, you know, somebody needs a last Laceration repaired at you know eleven thirty at night, and you're a rooftop with your buddies. Go, you know. You know it's it's a, you said be available. The yeah. life has changed. We live yeah. in such a world. If you're not available, mm-hmm. you're done. You you're move toast. on. You move on. People for move sure. On. For sure. Easy. Move on. Replaceable. Everybody's replaceable. Plastic surgeons were replaceable. You know, we're disposable. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the den. Yeah. How does anyone get in touch with you? Want to get in touch with you, Peter? Um, the, the, probably boutique. I think is a new thing coming out. So it would be uh, just search us on the boutique website, and you know, it's boutique 
uh, concierge.com. So B-E-A-U-T-I-Q-U-E, concierge.com. Doctor, thank you so much for being on the den. I appreciate it. Thank Everyone, you. check him out. Great doctor, and he does a lot for a lot of people around the world. We need more people like you, doctor. Thank you, man.